2: their mess to,
3: the
0: to the top you're tuned in to the eagle hour happy tuesday to you golden eagle fans listen across the state of mississippi on the super talk mississippi network it's the eagle hour luke johnson michael mergens from the southern Bancor studios in hattiesburg and laurel bob's headed over to montgomery as the sunbelt conference tournament gets underway today i'll be joining him tomorrow eagle hour on the road the next two days in Montgomery for the Sunbelt Tournament. And uh, full show for you today we will have Ben Milam later in the show, Heath Hinton as well as uh, Patrick Stats McGee talking RPI just a little later. But a reminder that the Sunbelt Conference does start today at 3 p.m. Old Dominion and James Madison, and then tonight Georgia Southern and Georgia State. Eagles will get tomorrow at 1230 the highest seed of uh, the winning team um, today. First segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Dickie's Barbecue. Located in a community near you, tournament times here, regionals, super regionals, and the College World Series coming up. If you got a watch party, be sure to let Dickey's Barbecue uh, cater your next event. The hometown team in Hattiesburg, just outside Turtle Creek Mall. Appreciate Justin Harris and his sponsorship of the Eagle Hour, Dickie's Barbecue. Cooked here, loved everywhere. The latest projections from D1 Baseball have the Golden Eagles as a two-seed. In Tuscaloosa, Alabama, one of the members of that projection team from D1 Baseball, Mark Etheridge, joining us now. He's in Birmingham for the SEC tournament, and Mark, I know it's a busy week, but appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk some ball. I mean, I'm at the SEC tournament. We just we're already underway here. South Carolina beat, beat Georgia nine to nothing in the first game, and since he's playing Texas A&M right now, and and those are those are teams that you know with Tennessee and, and South Carolina among others that are. They've got a lot to play for trying to play their way into a host site.
0: And the reason why, you know, Southern Miss fans have their eye on Birmingham this week, it, I went mm-hmm. back and looked, Mark. Um, since 2005, Southern Miss has only been to three non SEC regionals. Mm-hmm. And so this time of the year, we always keep our eye on that um, because if we don't host, we will probably you know, end up as a, as a number two. And and I guess the more and more the NCAA has tried to pair teams regionally, it just seems like it's going to be that way. Will that ever change? You think?
1: Probably not. I mean, what they try to do is is match based on, you know, geography and also competitive balance. So it's not like a true S curve where you go one through 64 and the, the, the best two seed goes to the worst one seed. It's not that way at all. Uh, It's, it's it could be, but it's um, that's almost by happenstance it happens because it's more of a they try to minimize travel or tra- both from a cost perspective and for just so fans can attend, right? It's just because they maybe Oregon State's the sixteen and, and, and Miami's the, the, the seventeen, it doesn't mean they should, you know, go all the way across the country. So they try to sense with it. And you're right. I mean there are a lot of opportunities for SEC teams to host. There's still nine teams that, that we have in the running to to host regionals, and, and a lot of that's going to be decided, you know, in Hoover this weekend because they're really close together from a resume standpoint. Uh, I don't think, you know, I think probably you're looking at, at seven SEC host sites. Um, that would probably be my my thought, and among those, you know, Southern Miss would would certainly be a. A favorite to go to either Tuscaloosa or Auburn, it should either of those teams host. And then, of course, you got Baton Rouge down the road as well that that would be a logical candidate. So, uh, so you're right to put your, you know, put your focus on on Hoover to figure out who the next, uh, you know, where Southern Miss could be heading if they don't earn a host site.
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of fans don't want to go to Baton Rouge. Uh, first and foremost, yeah. be the uh, you know third regional since nineteen the Bayou Bengals the Eagles have played, and I think a lot of people yeah. also uh, don't want to to look at a, a Mr. Paul Skeens on the mound um, as well.
2: Yeah, I blame you there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you got to think Jay Johnson's not going to pitch him in in Game One against the four seed for sure. So no. you uh, we we had Aaron on a few weeks ago. Kendall on Sports Talk Mississippi said this last week. What what do the Golden Eagles need to do, as, as they were discussing that and we've been talking, if if yeah. Southern Miss were to go 4-0, I mean, are they back in the hosting conversation? What would have to happen yeah. for the Eagles to get a 15 or 16 seed?
1: Yeah, that's probably what it's going to take to get back into the conversation, and to be coastal would be good, too, uh, just to you know have that quality win. And then you're going to need some help, I mean, honestly. You, you need some of these SEC teams to lose, and you also need – you know the Big Twelve has, has three teams that could end up hosting uh, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, and Texas. If if none of those three, or may, maybe only maybe only two of them, you know, and, and they uh, if they, if they lose early, that would really help your case. And in our West, you got what uh, Oregon State is, who we have, you know, on the bubble as a bubble host as a second place Pac twelve team. Should they not play well in this weekend's conference tournament? You know what you're doing is you're trying to do better than those teams you're competing. against. Basically, those are a little bit ahead of you, so so you can not only reach them, but but also surpass them. I think the the problem Southern Miss has got right now is the RPIs, is it needs to come up, right? But, but what they have going going in their favor is the Sun Belt is the best it's been, I don't know, maybe ever. Uh, there's a fifth-rated RPI conference right now. Uh, with expansion, it's only getting stronger, and, and it's I think it's going to get a lot of respect in the committee room. So... So that's in your favor. So it's just a question of, you know, you control what you can, and then you really do, you have to scoreboard watch it, and hope things fall in your favor.
0: Talking to Mark Etheridge of D1 Baseball, uh, D1 yesterday, uh, Mark along with Aaron Fitt and Kendall Rogers projecting the Eagles to go to Uh, be the two seed um, in in Tuscaloosa and yeah if the Eagles were to win four they would get to to 41 And it's kind of odd the the, the Sunbelt may have a host they're going to have a host with Coastal Uh, Eagles might be that way Um, Troy you know has been floating around top 30 but those may be the only three teams you get and to your point better conference this year but Sunbelt got four in last year
1: yeah yeah and I think it's just uh, teams are beating up on each other so you're kind of progressing to the mean and I do think that that it's the kind of league that could have an automatic, you know, win- winner that outside those top three, three teams you mentioned because there is depth in the league. Some teams that maybe have underachieved through the year, they're still talented. You know, and they can put it together and, and have that magical run, kind of like Lafayette did last year. They were certainly a stone dead kind of team. So I, I think that's, you know, that would be one of the least surprising for me. Not because those teams at the top aren't good, but just because there's good, there's good teams elsewhere that that can knock you off. And, and that's the other thing. I mean, that's one of the, one of the um, fun parts of this time of year is you've got all these stolen bid opportunities around the league. You know, leagues that would only get one bid, but they get two because you have a surprise tournament winner. And all of that, that ripple effect affects the bubble. It affects the pairings. And, you know, depending on what happens, it it can also help uh, a, a team like, a team like Southern Miss uh, boost their stock because they're because of those upsets. Some of those teams don't win their automatic; they get that loss, and Southern Miss kind of boosts their stock if they do
0: mark you' uh, you're certainly aware of, of the southern miss baseball program uh, down in Mobile yeah. and uh, right in the heart of Sunbelt country and and have watched this program for a long time I saw you back on May 16th uh, tweet about Scott Barry's retirement uh, as a as somebody who who is aware of southern miss and yet very has a pulse on the national you know um, the national conversation of college baseball what, what is what has been your uh, observations of Scott Barry and what he's mentioned? not only to Southern Miss, but to college baseball?
1: The first word that comes to mind with Scott Berry is he's a gentleman. And, you know, this is a sometimes a world and a sport that that doesn't have a lot of those, you know, because it's such a cutthroat, competitive game. And Scott's certainly competitive. But he's always handled himself in, in a way that would, you know, endear, endear others to him and also reflect well on, on who he represents. And I do think that you know, he decided this is the time and man, is he going out leaving the program in great shape? I mean, it's, it's so many times you, you see coaches, they hang around too long because they just don't know anything else and, and, and things kind of get away from them at the end. And he, uh, he's certainly not doing that. Uh, it's, it's in great shape for, for Christian to come in and, and, you know, try to elevate the program and maintain what they're doing and, and, you know, try, try to take it to the next step. You're in a better league now from a baseball standpoint. And uh, I think, you know, there's certainly opportunities to take that, you know, and whatever that next step is, uh, they're in a great position to to, to get there.
0: 30 seconds left. Uh, yeah. I know you guys covering college baseball excited to see Oz get a head coaching job.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's earned it. I mean, he's got a great reputation as a as a teacher of pitching, and now he's going to get a chance to move into that into that big office, right? And and do all the things that that you always want to do. And yeah, as you're moving up, you know, learn from really good coaches, and he can take that. and And I'm excited for the direction of the program. It's always fun to have new blood in there to uh, to, to to just uh, take take the next step with the program.
0: Absolutely. Well, Mark, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for breaking away and. Have a good coverage, and uh, we'll be watching uh, you guys' uh, commentary throughout the week and, and into regional week.
1: Yeah, we're all over it. You take care, man. It's
0: Mark Etheridge from D1 Baseball. Appreciate his time today. We're going to talk some more RPI projections with uh, Pat Stats McGee coming up on the Eagle Hour on a Tuesday.
2: Their miss to the top to the top. you're tuned in to the
4: eagle hour
0: back on a tuesday great stuff with mark etheridge from d1 baseball if you miss that you can go back and listen on demand supertalk.fm or the eagle hour in podcast form google play apple podcast spotify and stitcher you need to cheer for some sec teams this week you need to cheer for some uh uh, against Oregon State this week. And uh, Mark was just kind of telling us who to root for, uh, for the Golden Eagles um, to take care of business in Montgomery and uh, in order to so get back in the hosting conversation. Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. You can shop anywhere online, campusbookmark.net. We need to mention that in this second segment and in the last segment of the show, we've got both hosts of the Buzzardry Podcast. And uh Patrick Stats McGee of Hattiesburg joins us. Bill My- Ben Milam will join us in the fourth segment. Heath hinton next segment. But yeah, all, we've got some Buzzardry on today. Stats, what's going on, man?
4: Yeah, glad uh we can get a little bit of uh airtime on uh yeah, I mean you guys probably have the best, I mean visibility out of all out of uh any of the USM programs, so uh, we're appreciative of that.
0: Yeah, visibility. If you saw our faces, you would the People saw our faces, they wouldn't say that. But yeah, we we get what you're saying with the airways. All right, um, D one. We just talked to Mark. They've got Southern Miss in Tuscaloosa, Baseball America in Baton Rouge, Nola dot com in Nashville. Seen some other Nashvilles. I think uh, you have us now in your latest projections, um, which do carry weight with me because I. I think you probably study RPI in this probably more than anybody. Your rationale for uh, for Southern Miss going to Tuscaloosa as the two?
4: Yeah, well, I think you just kind of look at, I guess, just from looking at Alabama, they've played their way into in the host uh, mix at 16 and 14 in the SEC, and uh, they have a top 10 RPI. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, was just, it, it kind of makes sense. It's another team within that 400 mile radius. You know, you're looking you look at Bat Rouge, it was looking like for a long time, it was the only one that was an option. And now you have Tuscaloosa, and now you have um, Auburn as well that could uh, be in the mix. So I just think it makes a lot of sense geographically. And, um, you know, also, you know, you avoid that repeat from last year of uh, LSU. And then it also, I mean, they don't, they don't seed it, you know, 1 through 64. But obviously, you know, if you assume, assuming USM can, you know, win a few games in this conference tournament, they would be one of the, you know, higher in the top or top half of the two seeds, and Alabama would be in the – um lower half of the of the host. So it would just mix in competitively as well.
0: so on the on the you know, sunbelt side, you definitely want Troy to win against App State so that the Eagles could play them in round two if the Eagles win tomorrow because Troy's at thirty five. That would get a little RPI bump. And then you would hope that if you were able to make it to the the championship, you're playing coastal.
4: Yeah, I think you're rooting for chalk all the way. I think you're you know you're rooting for Troy. Uh, to win and you would hope you get two wins over Troy and that would help on an RPI and also give you two more top 50 wins and then you yeah you would hope for Coastal Carolina there in the championship game so I mean there's the possibility of of three top 50 wins and including a top 25 win over Coastal um which would get that top 25 record up um so yeah I think you're rooting for Troy and you're rooting for Coastal Carolina for the maximum RPI effect this weekend
0: who, who are the most vulnerable projected hosts right now? I mean, people that, that Southern Miss could overtake. And, you know, from your perspective, where are the stolen, stolen bids regionally-wise?
4: Uh, I, think, I think I had Texas as my 16, and I really didn't have Texas on my host radar at all, but they had swept um, West Virginia over the weekend in Austin, and that propelled them to the number one seed. In the, in the Big 12 tournament, which uh, that's something that has uh, a good bit of weight in winning the Big 12 as far as the host mix. So I have them as my 16. And then you kind of have this uh, SEC trio or four teams uh, or quartet, maybe you could call it, between uh, Alabama, Auburn, South Carolina, and Kentucky, and then maybe Tennessee, really. Um, so Carolina won earlier today, uh, which puts them in a better position. But, yeah, I mean, I think if. And Alabama were having an early exit that could bump them down the host mix, as well as you know, same thing with Auburn and Tennessee, who's playing right now against Texas A&M. Um, so yeah. those rooting against those SEC teams would help as well.
0: Yeah, pulling for the Aggies, but I mean, you know, Auburn surely can't get a hosting site if they win less than thirty-five games. They're at thirty-three and nineteen right now.
4: Yeah, so they seven. They have a, a pretty good league record of 17-13, So that's the best out of those teams I just mentioned. But their RPI isn't as great. They lost a home series uh, to Southeast Louisiana, which has kind of hurt their RPI a little bit. Uh, so I think again they, they would be kind of on the chopping block if they were to lose their opener. I forgot who they play. I think they play later tonight, uh, maybe against Missouri. Um, so yeah, and that wouldn't be you know that would be great from an RPI perspective. to lose a neutral site game to a Missouri. Um, so, and, I mean, good there Auburn may be well. some
0: people right now that are rolling their eyes at at not you but me for talking about the SEC on the Eagle Hour. But I mean, if 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 the Eagles are going to host, we've got to got to be aware of what's going on in Birmingham. I mean, for instance, you had you have Columbia and yours, but I mean, they just got they just got drugged by Georgia, right? So I mean, you got to feel no, like they they're, they, they're, they actually they're, won that. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, there you go. That's why we have all to the way the around. That's why we have you on the show. So, but South Carolina is one of those; they can fall off if you know if they don't get on a, uh, a a little winning streak. They probably need to win one more game, maybe two.
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, they lost their last four series, uh, you know, in non-conference. They uh, they did beat Clemson two out of three, and Clemson, I mean, that's a top eight team. So that's kind of a feather in their cap. But yeah, I mean, look, they're sixteen, 16-13 in the league. They, they again, they they struggle down the stretch, but their RPS pretty good. Uh, so I think, yeah, if they win one more and now they're in the double elimination part of the uh, of the bracket, I think you have to like your chances of getting a,
0: a sight there. Thank you for correcting me because I see where I misread the, the box score now. Anyway, um, en- enough of uh, money conference. Let's talk uh, real, real baseball. Um, Southern Miss right now, 37 and uh, 16. Where, where are they where you thought they would be now? Like if going into the season... Um, just kind of you know, little little valuation, offense, defense, and and the record is it where you thought it would be?
4: Uh, yeah, actually, I'm trying to remember where I thought the team. I think I said before the year maybe 38 and 16. So I mean they're almost right at around that. I think it was at 38 win mark and 22 wins in the league. I mean that's right about where I thought this team would be. And you know a solid two seed with the, you know an outside chance to host there on the last weekend. Uh, so I think the team is, you know, I think they met expectations. I think um, the rotation, I mean, Tanner Hall has, uh, after some struggles maybe in the first half of the season, has pitched excellently down the stretch, and and he's become that, you know, that ace everybody thought he would continue to be. And then I guess, you know, Oldham uh, moving into the rotation was a little bit of a surprise just because it felt like at times, you know, he had gotten hit maybe a little bit in those uh, those inner squads um, before the season. But, yeah, I mean, you yeah, Matt Adams. Uh, in the rotation, you know, obviously I think everybody thought that was going to happen. And then uh, the offense, I mean, you have someone like a Slade Wilkes that, you know, even though the, you know he's a little bit hurt right now and uh, has been cold the past couple weeks, you know, he's kind of become that, you know, a 1,000-plus OPS guy uh, that can wreck a game. So I feel like um, everything. And then now, you know, Edfield's kind of become the guy that we thought he was going to be. So I think yeah. um, there are a couple tweaks to what people thought, but I think overall it's kind of Played out um, the way people sort of expected to play out.
0: So you had us at thirty-eight and sixteen. We're thirty-seven and sixteen, which implies that that Southern Miss won the game and Trustmark the the side game.
4: Yes, <laughs> I think it was 38, 38 or thirty-seven wins. I can't remember exactly, but I'm going to give you like credit that. for
0: thirty-eight. Okay, I'm going to okay. and I'm going to give you credit for the twenty-two uh, conference wins. That's exactly um, what it is. We're talking to uh, Patrick McGee of Hattiesburg, uh, co-host of the Buzzardry Podcast, and uh, Southern Miss. All things stats. A um, couple more minutes. Uh, just looking in this in this tournament. What are you looking for out of the Golden Eagles um, in this conference tournament?
3: Uh, I think
4: pitching behind Tanner Hall. I mean, you kind of look at last week where Oldham was okay. I mean, he got to whatever the fourth or fifth inning, but you know he got hit a little bit there early, and you know Adam's getting pulled after. Um, that uh, after that first inning, I mean, so you want your second and third starters to pitch well, heading into regional, give you a little more confidence, uh, you know, to see what they can do against you. know, I mean, if you play Troy twice, I mean, that's an NCAA tournament lineup. Um, so you want to see Oldham and Adams uh, pitch well against, you know, possible, you know, or, or you know, if Troy wins, you know, against a regional competition. So having those guys go out there and let's say they can go six innings and, and give you a good start, I think that would really be something I'm kind of looking at is, you know, your two and three stars.
0: Your thoughts on Justin Storm on the back end this season?
4: Yeah, I mean, he's really kind of caught uh, fire here. I mean, since that Coastal Carolina uh, Sunday, starting with that, I mean, he hasn't given up a run. And I know heading into last week, he had struck out, you know, the majority of the batters he had, he had seen since that uh, that Coastal weekend. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's become a dominant closer, which, you know, I think people thought he had a chance before the year, kind of become that Ryan Ock type, you know, a lefty with a uh, fastball that's hard to pick up. But he also has a little more, you know, maybe – well, better secondary stuff than a doc does, but yeah, he he's been great down the stretch.
0: People need to enjoy watching this because he's probably moving on. Somebody probably draft him at six, seven, huh?
4: Yeah, I would think somewhere in the you know top five to seven or so rounds, which is around where Ock went. Um, so yeah, I would expect him sometime on day two. Just kind of based on some draft reports I've read and some lists. I mean, he's kind of in that, that two hundred or three hundred prospect uh, range.
0: If Alabama goes one-and-done or two-and-done or one-and-two, one two, where are the Eagles uh, heading to Monday?
4: Uh, I guess it will depend on, assuming Auburn wins. I would, I would say I would be pretty much, I'd say 40-40 between Auburn and Baton Rouge, and then I would say there's a 20% chance of something outside of that, something kind of a wild card, maybe a Nashville, maybe, you know, who knows, maybe an ACC site that nobody's even thinking of. Um, so that's kind of how I feel.
0: Only three non-SEC regionals since 2004, I think. So we'll see. Patrick, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Luke. Patrick McGee, we call him Stats. One half of the Buzzardry podcast. You can find them on and platforms. Good stuff. He loves Southern Miss. We enjoy he- having him on the program. Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation joins us right after these commercial messages.
2: Southern miss to the top.
0: Appreciate Patrick McGee joining us from Hattiesburg. Follow him on Twitter, WP McGee. Great stuff. Never know what he's going to throw out. All kinds of stuff. Appreciate him joining us. Mark Etheridge from D1 Baseball joined us earlier in the program. Luke and Michael from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, Bob, out today because he's on the road headed to Montgomery. I'll join him tomorrow, Eagle Hour, on the road the next two days, live from the Sunbelt Baseball Championship in Montgomery, Alabama. And uh, we look forward to that. Let's bring in Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation. Heath joins us. And, uh, Heath, before we get back into uh, to, to baseball, uh, Transfer Portal news, we've been waiting on that from, from Jay Ladner to uh, New Golden Eagles. And I think there's a lot of reason for e- excitement when you look at these transfers, one from Oregon State and one from UNLV.
3: Yeah, Victor, uh, make sure I say his name, Iwaka uh, Ford. from UNLV, young man with blue chip going into uh, Oklahoma. They transferred UNLV. Uh, athletic ability out of the gym, just can jump out of the gym, has great athletic ability. Uh, Spoke to Coach Ladner about him, and he said one of the things that he really liked about this young man was that he thought he fit in their press. When they go to press, and uh, he really likes his athletic ability in their press and him being able to be that four, maybe uh, when they go smaller, five in the paint. So, uh, that, was a, that was a really nice get for him. And then, of course, young man, uh, Nick Kress, loving St. Patrick from the coast. Uh, he went to Oregon State, 6'4", right at 200-pound shooting guard, and shoot out of the gym. Did get to play a lot, but transferring back home. So two really good get for Coach Ladner and his staff, and, and two guys that, you know, they're going to need some help offensively, going to need some help with some size. And, you know, with Nick being a two, that's going to be really nice shooting guard. So uh, I think two really good gets and two quality guys that they can plug and play immediately.
0: And then, of course, uh, huge news, uh, Crowley coming back. And, and it, it does seem that this, this team, as of right now, is guard heavy uh, with Hase, Pinckney, and, um, and Mormon gone. Um, do you expect to see, you know, some more bigs come in for this team?
3: I do. I expect, you know, I think they have about four scholarships left. So I wouldn't be surprised if three or four of those on bigs, maybe all four on bigs. But they're going to need some size down low. They're going to need some guys that, uh, you know, Pinckney was such a weapon for them last year because of his size and his ability to shoot outside. So I look for them to go get a stretch for uh, maybe a guy that can play inside, uh, you know, that can bang around with some of those bigger guys in the Sun Belt. Really big, really mature front line last year, so I think three or maybe all four of the scholarships they have left over are going to be used on on bigs down low.
0: And, I mean, Denajay Harris hasn't made any announcements yet, so, I mean, there's still a possibility he could return.
3: If I'm not mistaken, I think he's going to New Mexico State. I thought I saw that on there, so I I, I don't think he's coming back. So There you go. uh, That's a – that's a big loss, especially when we are talking defense. And, hey, he gave you some offense that you never thought he was. But defensively, he was so important, especially because he could play the two or the three with his size and athletic ability.
0: Yep. Good stuff. All right, let's go to baseball. Um, Sunbelt gets underway today, 3 o'clock, James Madison and Old Dominion. That's the 7, James Madison, against the 10, Old Dominion. And then uh, later tonight, Georgia State and Georgia Southern. If Old Dominion wins... Um, Southern Miss can't play them because they would be the lowest seed by default. Uh, so it's really James Madison, uh, Georgia Southern, or, or Georgia State. James Madison wins, Eagles get them. Any any preference, JMU, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, who, who you want? And I think
3: they're all – look, this conference tournament is tough. I think every team in it is the up 100 RPI team. I mean, it's going to be tough no matter what you look at it. I, look at James Madison, a team that's more of a – face-hit type of team that want to hit home runs. Uh, Georgia Georgia Southern is a team that kind of scares me a little bit because they've been there. They've done it last year. I believe they hosted last year. They're a team that kind of scares you a little bit. Georgia State can really hit the ball out of the park. but it's a, I, I think I want to play those teams that would rather hit the ball out of the park because you're playing in a bigger stadium, and they're not playing any short porches that they're used to playing in. Uh, so I think you know maybe you want to play a team that relies on the long ball just for the fact that you're not going to get as many home runs. So we'll see what happens. I'm interested how the dimensions of the park play in with these teams in the Sun Belt who like to hit home runs. That's going to be interesting to watch in this tournament.
0: So uh, Golden Eagles back in late March took two of three from Georgia um, Southern um, at the Pete. Uh, a, a few weeks later, in mid-April, they swept James Madison um, at the Pete and did not play Georgia State uh, this year. So, uh, really, what tomorrow? Hopefully, Tanner Hall can throw seven or eight innings and uh, and save some of the pen. And I, I still feel like the Eagles are in good shape. Uh, just Adams got got hit pretty good. Uh, but but you feel like the plan for any game three anyway is gonna be Adams for, you know, four innings if he gets to the fifth great and then it's it's Mazer or Armistead the rest of the way. So I still feel good. Um w- would like to see, you know, Sibley, um he he got hit some this weekend, but I mean overall, Eagles got a best ERA in the conference right now, and pitcher of the year. You know, in on your uh, on your staff, you got to feel good at least, uh, as well as the offense um, over what they did this past weekend.
3: Yeah, you do. I I think you want to see. I, of course, Sunday and even this weekend, they relied on the home run so much to score some runs. They were able to do that. Pete Taylor Park is not as small of a park as other places. But I would like to see them manufacture more. I was really happy to see uh, those guys in the uh, eighth inning being able to uh, manufacture runs, uh, really seeing Sergeant go to the opposite field, reshooting with the base hit. So it, it, that was good to see. And this is going to be more of a – I think it's what teams can put – big innings together because they get base hits, which team is hot at the plate because you're not going to get the home runs. It's going to be about manufacturing runs. It's going to be about moving runners over, and uh, which I think is kind of maybe sometimes helps plays in the Southern Myth a little bit. Pitching and defense are going to be so important. The home run is not going to be as big as it was in the regular season. I think pitching-wise, I think it's going to be somebody in the bullpen that steps up that you're not expecting that's going to come in and uh, really save Southern Miss for two or three innings and uh, keep runners from crossing the plate. I think that's going to be the difference. Who's going to be that guy that steps up for the Golden Eagles, just like a Justin Storm did last year in the regional? Who's going to be a guy that steps up in this conference tournament? I think that's something to
0: think about. I mean, give me a couple names. Who comes to mind when you ask yourself that question?
3: Man, I think a Chase Adams is a guy that uh, that could be Dolphin pitch really well against uh, Ooh La La. He's a guy. Uh, somebody like that that maybe not had the best year but come on late, I think that's a guy you can look at and say, is he going to be able to give me six outs in a very important part of the game, keep runners across the plate? those are the things that you look at in tournaments and in regionals. That's what wins that's what wins those.
0: Should mention this. Uh, we haven't mentioned it so far, um, other than Tanner getting uh, the Sunbelt pitcher of the year, he's first team, Dustin's first team. Danny Lynch second team and and I was like, oh, where where is Slade Wilkes um in this as well? But there are some power hitters, uh, you know, the kid from Troy hitting twenty eight bombs, but but Slade Wilkes, um not not on uh Sunbelt team.
3: Yeah, kind of a little, a little shocked there. I mean, he did have kind of a, 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 slumped a little bit towards the end of the season, but there is, you know, maybe that hit when he took a pitch off the hand didn't help matters none. But yeah, I don't see how you don't because when he hits the baseball that it's, it's fun to watch how hard he hits it when he's a hundred percent and he gets everything in the ball. I mean, he did put one in the Catholic Church parking lot this year. The the guy can just really swing it. So, surprise they left him off. But then again, there's some really good sluggers in this league. There are some guys who can hit it. And and once again, I keep saying that that's why the dimensions of a minor league ballpark is going to come so much into play. Is Coastal going to be able to rely on the home run? We've seen them when they go on the road. Sometimes they they play in a bigger part as in Louisiana. Not as easy to score all those runs when you're yeah. in a smaller ballpark, when you're in a bigger ballpark. So I think uh, that's going to play in. And remember, Coastal hasn't fared too well in Montgomery. Right. So uh, I think, you know, this tournament's wide open. I like where Southern Miss is on their side of the bracket. I think they got a really good draw. And uh, with, especially when you've got Texas State, Coastal, Louisiana on the other side, let them battle it out, let them fight each other. And uh, so, Which it's not easy. Appalachian State, all those guys on the on Southern Miss' side, because it's not an easy tournament. But let them battle it out over there, and then you just play good fundamental Southern Miss baseball, try to make it towards the end, and you know win it, get that host spot.
0: Final comment, real, real quick. Comments on the Ferris yesterday?
3: Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where they had guys. It wasn't uh, media members who voted for it. They had scouts who voted for it. And sometimes, yeah, some watchers, maybe they saw his numbers, and, but they don't realize what Tanner Hall, that he had better numbers than last yeah. year in a tougher league. Tanner's going against everybody's age, so don't give me that. It's quality of competition yeah. stuff. So, I think if it would
0: have been uh, media vote, I think even the Ole Miss and state media guys would have uh, would yeah. still voted for, uh, for Tanner. Hey, thanks for your time, yeah. man. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, buddy. Y'all have a good one. That's Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation, southernmiss.rivals.com. You can join and be an insider today. Appreciate Heath joining us. Ben Milam getting ready to head out west. William Carey in the World Series. We'll talk to Ben after this.
2: You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top.
0: Final segment brought to you by DBAT and D1, proud sponsors of the Eagle Hour, DBATHattiesburg.com, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Luke and Michael from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, great show today. Go back and check it out in podcast form if you missed it. And, uh, anyway, appreciate all of our, our guests today. One more guest, the other half of the Buzzardry podcast, the voice of the William Carey Crusaders. Ben Milam joins us live from uh, Louis Armstrong International in New Orleans because you're about to jump on a plane, Ben.
2: That's right, all the way up to Lewiston, Idaho, trying to bring a national title back to Hattiesburg, see if we can't get it done.
0: I just went in Google Maps and looked at Lewiston, Idaho, and it's literally hovering on the Washington-Idaho um, border. And And I ask you, you know, I just thought they picked a different spot every year, but, but Lewiston actually hosts, hosts the World Series every year.
2: I it. said it's Lewis Clark State up there in Lewiston. I mean, it's a, it's a small town. Hattiesburg is a good, good bit bigger than, than Lewiston, but it's, they've really built out that ballpark so that they could continue to host it. And they have 150 plus different volunteers that come in and, and help them run everything. And I mean, Coach Hallford and, and guys that were there in 2017, his staff, they absolutely loved going up there. And it's just nothing, you hear nothing but good things. So we're we're fired up to get back up there.
0: Crusaders 47-9, and nine. what a run. Tell us about uh, the opponent uh, come Friday.
2: Yeah, so the, so William Carey, the four-seed, it's a 10-team double elimination tournament. It's kind of funky the way they do it, and they squeeze it in one calendar week. It'll be Friday to next Friday. And the five-seed, the first matchup, four-five-seed matchup will be us, obviously, in Bellevue out of Nebraska. This will be their fourth Consecutive World Series. They won a national championship in 1995. It's it's one of those NAIA programs that are always going to be up, up there in the top ten or fifteen. It's just perennial powerhouse. That it's it's one of the legendary coaching staffs in and um, college baseball in general. I would say duane, duane Monluck. She's been there for going on 40 years now. Similar to Bobby Hallford, and there uh, it's. it's um, You look at them on paper, there's not a whole lot that's going to really jump out at you in terms of kind of high-end talent, but they just don't really have any weaknesses. They've got four really good starters, a guy that's just over a 2 ERA that'll throw against William Carey a righty, uh, which we feel like matches up well against our offense, and not a whole lot of holes in the offensive order either. Uh, They're top 10 nationally in runs scored. Of course, William Carey is number two nationally in runs scored, so uh, it'll be a it'll be a really fun one. It'll be a good matchup, but we, again, feel pretty good about how it favors William Carey. But the big key is if you win that game one, the way the bracket sets up, you don't play again until Monday. But if you lose that first game, you play Saturday, Sunday, and then you have a game every single day for the rest of the tournament. So it's, it's a huge deal for your pitching depth and just fatigue in general and at a compact tournament to, to win that game one and Again, feel feel pretty good about the matchup. Just got to go get it done.
0: Talking to Ben Milam, play-by-play voice uh, for the William Carey Crusaders as they head to Idaho for the NAIA World Series. Game one starter for the Crusaders will be?
2: It'll be Andrew Shira. He's the SSAC Pitcher of the Year. Um, feel, again, feel really good at about the pitching depth because you you kind of have two aces and, and Shira and A.J. Stenson. He's the all time strikeout leader, William Carey history. He's a Hattiesburg guy. It's a name a lot of people are going to know. And um, yeah, if you can get what you've gotten out of Andrew Shire these last three or four weeks, I mean, he's gone seven plus innings in his last five starts and uh, just been really, really good. Needed him to be obviously really, really good again Friday.
0: We uh, we had him on the show a few weeks back uh, and uh, full of confidence. And that uh, oh, was what he. Knows what he could do. Enjoyed, really, really enjoyed that that interview. What uh, what are you looking uh, the most uh, uh, forward to? You know, you get to watch baseball, and you get uh, as part of your job, and it's a World Series. But but what's yeah. one of those things that that you just enjoy uh, uh, about a week like this?
2: Well, man, I, I've never I've never called anything to this scale before. I, I call both the conference tournament and the opening round. And it's just uh, you know we we talk about this on Crusader Talk a, a good bit, but it's it is I am I am really excited to call kind of this last stage of NAI baseball because I've I've grown an appreciation and a respect for it, and that there's there's a in a sense there's an amateurism that isn't necessarily there in Division One sports anymore. Sure, and they're playing at the highest level of this. This division of NAI and they're let me tell you, there's some great ball players. So to to you know have ten of the best, it's going to be a, just a ton of fun. It's, there's a whole lot of individual guys. You know, there are guys who are probably going to go in the first couple of days of the MLB draft. A, a good list yeah. of those that are going to compete in Lewiston this week. So there's a whole lot to look forward to. And I mean, it's these guys are playing their hearts out, and they're you know they don't have the ESPN cameras pointed at them, but. They play it just the same. It's, it's going to be a whole lot of fun all the way around.
0: Good stuff. Well, Ben, have a great call. Y'all have a safe trip, and uh, we'll be checking on you. All right. Thanks, Luke. It's Ben Milam. And, uh, Michael, people can hear Ben Milam call the William Carey Crusader Baseball World Series games. We will carry every game on
2: air on 97.3 here in Hattiesburg, and, of course, at supertalkhattiesburg.com. And worldwide, if you download the Super Talk Mississippi app, just click on the Hattiesburg Station,
0: and uh, we're going to get them on. Good stuff. Good luck to the Crusaders. Hey, when you hear us tomorrow, we'll be in Montgomery. You watch them ESPN Plus Sunbelt Action today at 3 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. to find out who the Golden Eagles will face uh, tomorrow. Appreciate you listening. We'll catch you tomorrow from Montgomery. And as always, Southern Miss to the top.
3: To the sea